0: Children should feel unconditionally valued and accepted, regardless of their birth circumstance, their race, or abilities. Tricia Campbell is my guest today on Never Ever Give Up Hope, and her family rose to this challenge and adopted five children you're not going to want to miss her exciting story today
1: have you ever felt like giving up quitting throwing in the towel welcome to never ever give up hope featuring carol graham she's an author health coach and motivational speaker backed into a corner multiple times in her life Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham.
0: Welcome, Trisha. So nice to have you on Never Ever Give Up Hope today.
2: Thank you for having me, Carol. The
0: first question that I have is, tell us how this all came about. We had
2: three biological kids to begin with. My husband and I met in college and married after we both got out. And um, when I was in college, I had worked on a hunger project down in Mexico. And during that particular project, we would go to a couple of different orphanages, a couple of different dumps. And actually even the jail, because they don't feed the people in jail, they they expect the families to take care of that. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It's really a developing country down there. At the orphanages, the nuns really only had time to get around and change everybody and uh-huh. clean the clothes and feed the kids and they start over again, you know. I I found myself really trying to give tactile attention to children because they just didn't have time to make eye contact, have a conversation Aww. or whatever. And a lot of times I'd find myself rocking one in one arm, one in another arm and rocking another one with my foot just so <laughs> that they knew someone was there, right? And um, I came to the conclusion when I was doing this project that I I really thought someday I wanted to adopt, that I just wanted to be part of the solution to this problem. And so when my then boyfriend came down to uh, visit me, and I was living in San Diego, um, he came to visit me and he asked me to marry him. And I told him I I, I love you. I really, I would love to say yes, but I can't say yes until I tell you something. And oh. I, I ultimately made the poor guy wait a couple days for my answer, <laughs> but I had to go show him. And so I brought him down to Tijuana. I showed him the whole situation and everything. And I told him what I really felt strongly about that. I, I said, I feel like my life is going to take this direction. And he felt similarly. So we really? became engaged, but then we had our, first three biological kids and we're busy parenting away right and you know how that is i mean just as soon as you're beyond 2 you've gone from man to man to zone defense right i mean you're you're definitely you know kind of got all <laughs> all things rolling too many plates in the air and all that stuff and so we were seeking some sort of spirituality for the kids i myself had been on a long 10 year journey looking for the truth about life and living and spirituality and all that stuff and i just started looking for the truth i started to attend a bible study now i had never studied the bible but some women would say you know god showed me this so or yeah, god yeah, said yeah. that or whatever and i was like huh that's kind of interesting that's kind of weird actually but interesting i started to get a, a sense of certain truths coming out of out of scripture and i would get these you know feelings about it and i was like huh that's interesting. I'm, I never thought of it like that, or something like that. Well, right. I I I started to have um, a sense of like God calling me, you know, like like to 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 His way of seeing things. And I so I ultimately one morning I I I woke up. I was wide awake, and I and I had a scripture running through my head. Of course, I didn't know it was scripture because I didn't know scripture. Okay. I had a scripture running through my head, and I just got up and I thought I should just write it down or something ultimately anyway god got a hold of me and I ended up just on my face before him <laughs> and just it was it was I was I was so humbled and so happy <laughs> but I uh, ultimately he was calling us to adoption and he made it abundantly clear right after that that situation happened I, I started to have dreams of a black baby girl with one arm oh my and she was word. our daughter i know it was kind of wild I, I, but every time i woke up i would tell dave about it and she was different ages in the dreams but it was the same girl and um i was like so and the other thing was our oldest son's name was daniel and the baby's name was danielle and i was like is that pointing to this supposed <laughs> to be our child thing i don't know what this is i said i would never name a kid danielle because that would be confusing right I had a cousin Patrick, and I'm Patricia. It was terrible, so I was like, I wouldn't have a Danielle and a Daniel Niles. We um, after the third dream, Dave and I were out of town on business, and I had the third dream out of town, and I told him about it again. And we went to to church near the 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 hotel where we were, and they um they said, uh, they started reading scripture from the pulpit. And the scripture for that Sunday, for whatever reason, was from the book of Mark. And it said, and um, and Jesus took a child among them and said, He who receives one such child receives me, but not just me, him who sent me. And I just started
0: bawling. Oh, my word.
2: Yeah. I just started bawling. And of course, poor Dave looked at me. He's like, What's going <laughs> on? And I'm like, Sorry. And I couldn't hardly talk. And I just, I just pointed at the scripture and I said, Danielle. And he was like, Oh. And it's like it was like wow. the whole congregation just disappeared, and it was just us and that scripture, wow. and we were being called, right? It was really cool. So we go home. We're like, okay, we're bouncing baby at this whole Christianity thing. We don't know what's going on. So we asked a pastor for help, and he said, you know— It's the baby had one arm, so that's special needs, and the baby was black, so that's transracial. So it looks to me like you guys are going to be adopting transracial special needs. And I was like, okay, (laughs) okay, (laughs) they have it. And so we just started the process, and through the process, had so many doors slam in our face because they would see us with three healthy kids and go, what are you doing? You have three healthy kids, go home, be happy, you know, you're not, whatever, you're not the kind of person we expect to deal with. And, um, but, but the thing was, we were looking for special needs kids. It wasn't like we were trying to scoop some little infant that was, you know, going to be this only person's chance to have a baby or whatever, you know, we were looking for special needs kids. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how the whole thing started each and every successive child, there was distinct indicators before they came along. And it was, it was just a really cool God story, because frankly, I had nothing to do with it. All I did was say, okay, (laughs) I was just, you know, obedient to the
0: calling. And you came to expect it that way, didn't you?
2: Completely. I, and, and I had no doubt in my mind that if God said, you know, thus and so and and I'm gonna give you like like he gave me a vision for a certain child or whatever, that he was also gonna give the provision for that child. There was no way he was gonna, you know, plop some kid in my lap that that had all these special needs that I couldn't deal with and he was just gonna let me wallow in it. He wasn't. He he was gonna provide too. So it was really it was really neat. So
0: let's start with the first three. I want to get the the chronol or the ages here. So the first three, what ages were they? And then uh, when you adopted the next five, how close were they? What ages and how did they come? Like months apart, years apart, et cetera.
2: Oldest son was two and a half when our daughter was born. And then two years later, our, our son was born. So it went boy, girl, boy. And they were two years apart. When we adopted the first little guy, Zach, he was ten months old. So they were, they were about two years apart too, because he was ten months and Nathan had just our right, youngest okay. had just turned okay. three. Then we found Danielle, the exact baby from the dreams, which <laughs> is a really cool story. You have to get the book. It's called "It Was Enough: A God-Led Adventure with Adopted and Special Needs Kids." And it's a really cool story, how we actually found the baby from the dreams it was it was very, very cool, but anyway, so we got her, and she was only six days old.
0: Wow, you're kidding,
2: no, but she was only eighteen months younger than Zach um so we got her eight months after we got him, so he was ten months old, so he was so he was a year and a half when we got her, and then a couple of years passed and we got a little girl that w- that had just turned four, but she was the same age as Zach. Okay. So there was no right, there was no space right. between them. Uh, a few years later, we got Sean and he was a couple years younger than uh, the baby that was Danielle. We named Alicia. And then five years later, we got Chris, who's our youngest. In fact, we had given away all our baby stuff. Oh. I mean, <laughs> All our baby stuff, the clothes, the high chair, the, the crib, the whole thing, you know? And, and so like our son, Sean was turning five and, um, and going to kindergarten in September. So when he went to kindergarten, Dave and I kind of were like, you know, seven's a godly number. <laughs> it's a nice, it's seven days in a week. It's kind of a nice number. And, and, you know, we're probably done. Right. I don't know. So then, um, <laughs> so then, in October, I get a call from Children's Services that one of our adopted daughters had a baby brother in the nursery, and they needed him out of there that day. So I literally got a call at nine in the morning. He was home by by nightfall, and I didn't. Ha- I, I picked him up in a car seat with a, a tag still attached. The box was in my trunk. <laughs> I literally had nothing, and um, so I just you know grabbed some formula, grabbed some diapers you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you can get by for a couple days with a baby, right? And the cool thing was my husband was uh, home, teaching a a small home group. And so there were a bunch of people from the church at our house and they found out about the baby and it went like wildfire through the church. Ah. Campbell's got another baby. Everything walked in the door the next day. And I mean everything. We got The cribs, the high chair, the swing, the stroller, the you name it, it walked in the door. It was really, really cool, miraculous provision. So that's how the kids are. I mean, the kids span 14 years. So at one point, they were 0 to 14. And now they're, uh, Chris was going to be 23 and Daniel's 37. So, yeah, time marches on. No
0: kidding. Now, their special needs are they all like physical or mental?
2: Varies. When you adopt, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole process, but um, I know you have adopted, but in our process of our home study, they had an extremely exhaustive list of various birth circumstances that you could um, come across, and they would let you mm. say, I can accept that. I'd think about that, or I absolutely couldn't do that. Right. And so a very long list of things. And really, Dave and I were very much wide open. We just said the only thing that we knew we couldn't handle was orthopedic issues that would go beyond like kindergarten or whatever, because we both had kind of crummy backs and we couldn't see ourselves lifting school aged children into the car or hoisting wheelchairs and that kind of thing. Right. It just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, um, we were like, I don't know Braille, but I could learn Braille. I don't know sign language, but I could learn sign language. I don't know, you know, whatever it just, you know, just whatever I, I felt strongly like God would provide regardless. And so, um, some of our kids have have like we we had a lot of adhd we had um some kids that were born addicted to crack uh some kids born uh with syphilis one is autistic uh one is legally blind um but not completely um but legally and um yeah. And so and then also some mental illness issues, too. So bipolar, OCD, um, depression, that kind of stuff. So, you know, it just it's kind of a mixed bag. But honestly, when you have a biological child, you really don't know how that's all going to pan out,
0: do you? Of so, course. Of course. Right. So. And so you just went with the punches. You just wherever it was yeah. going to take you, you just... You learned what you needed to learn, you did which, and my guess is you probably the children probably helped as well, did they not? The ones that were already, oh absolutely yes,
2: yes, and you know, and the the funny thing was our pediatrician was all on board, he totally saw how our family rolled, and we ultimately were really good friends with our pediatrician, like he'd come over. For dinner, whatever. He said, you know, you're going to have to be really careful with their sex ed. They think they walk in the door. <laughs> like, ah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's like, eh, just thinking. But, um, but yeah, at our house, we, we had a saying that everyone has to row with the oars he has And you know what? We'll do the best we can to help you if your oars are short or if they're skinny or if they're not pulling water the way they need to or whatever, but everybody has to row with the oars they have.
0: And don't we all? Don't we all? Exactly.
3: Exactly.
0: Yeah. We're going to take a really quick break and I'm I've got a bunch of questions, and I know that the audience does as well. So when we come back, we're going to talk about a few different things. First of all, I think about um, sharing a couple maybe funny or sad stories, whichever you would like to share. And also the stigma that's attached to white families adopting multiracial children. And then, of course, we're going to talk about your book. So we will be right back.
3: Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another, gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com.
0: Today we're speaking with Trisha Campbell about her family, which had three biological children, and then expanded to include five adopted children, from a ver- with a variety of physical and possible mental disabilities, special needs kids, and also from different races. So this has been exciting so far, and I do have lots of questions that I want to ask you. Let's continue with. The first thing, tell us about the hurdles you had to encounter adopting kids from various racial backgrounds.
2: Well, um, I don't know if you know, there's a, a group called the Black Social Workers of America, but there is. And they, they really worked hard to keep kids of color out of Caucasian homes. Really? But they did. And... And I still think they do. They just do it a little more on the down low. Um, The problem is 85% of the kids in care are kids of color. And 15% of the the families that are adopting are families of color. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly the flip-flop of what it would need. Yeah. It's exactly the flip-flop of what it would need to be um, if you were to try to get every child into a family of their uh-huh. similar race. Uh-huh. So the problem is, is that they were trying to make long term um, foster care plans for a lot of kids, rather than put them in permanent homes. Uh-huh. But that's never the best thing. Kids like kids that age out in foster yes. care are just left to drift. They right. they're so susceptible to all kinds of, you know, evil in the world. And um, so we, we came across some pretty significant hurdles that way. But God brought them down. I mean, it just, it just, it was really hard, though. It was really hard. Sometimes sometimes just really hard. And then uh, the, and that's just the social workers. That's not even out in public. Right. So like I'd be out in public and somebody would just make a comment as if I needed their comment. Like no kidding. No kidding. Like, and they would do it really on the slide. Like they would walk by and go, I don't like it. I'm just saying, I don't like it. Wow. And then they'd keep walking. I'm like, wow, you know, like they wouldn't confront the kids, which was great. But still, it was just it was just there. And then there was another time that we were trying to buy a house and everything was going swimmingly until we brought the kids to see it. And then all of a sudden,
0: oh, my word,
2: all these barriers started just coming up, coming up, coming up. I was like, what is happening? And then Dave It's like, oh, my gosh, this all started after we brought the kids to see the house. And what happened was it was a it was a spec home. It was being built on speculation, but it was one of the first homes in the neighborhood. And he thinks (laughs) the builder was concerned that they'd see our family and be like, I'm not living here. So we had to just let that go. Our, our, Our realtor. Was very supportive though. She said that this is completely against the Fair Housing Code. Of course, you know, if you want to, I will go to bat for you, and we can get a law lawyer involved, and da 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 da. And we just decided to let it go, and and to um, just back away, and we did. Um, But but things like that happen, you know. It just it just is what it is, but. Um, but the bottom line is we always told the kids, you know, race really matters to racists. I mean, the the rest of right. us care about character. The rest of us care about, you know, what's on the inside of a person. I mean, let's face it. Your heritage, it's very nice to be proud of your heritage or whatever, but it's certainly not the most important thing about a person because exactly. you had nothing to do with it. Right. You had nothing to do with it. So... um, we just, we, we would try to, you know, keep the focus off race. Cause the more you focus on race, the more race becomes the focus. That's right. So, exactly. Um, that's, that's what we did. We just tried to keep it like that. And, um, and generally speaking, it was fine. Um, we we did do things with the kids to, to just sort of celebrate differences. Um, frankly, a lot of their like learning differences and stuff were much more of an issue than their skin color. Um, you know, we had some kids that yeah. had very low IQs and stuff, and and that was hard. I mean, that 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 is far more defining of a person than what colors your skin. Or what colors your hair, or what's your hair texture, or whatever. And and, and there are kids, so you know, like I I I learned how to do hair, and I was quite good at it. <laughs> um, and I learned how to you know take care of their skin and stuff. And 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 really, like one time, I had one of our daughters had had she wanted to have um, dreadlocks which is a, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a really permanent choice because yes. you have to let the mat and stuff. And, uh, and her dreadlocks were gorgeous. And I was the one that did the maintenance on them. Cause you have to retwist the new growth into the locks when it gets grown out. Uh-huh. And, um, and then you have to re, you know, do the, the beeswax and the, that kind of thing. So, um, one time I was at church and a, a woman of color came up to me and said, my daughter loves your daughter's hair. Would you teach me how to do that?
0: Oh, my word. <laughs> Is That's... that great? I was like, <laughs> sure.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> so, hilarious. Yeah. So I literally, I mean, I literally ended up doing her whole her daughter's whole head, explaining <laughs> to her as I went how I did it and um, showing her on my own daughter's head how the new growth was and how you would have to separate it out and work it in and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. A learning
0: curve you probably never expected. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, it was
2: like, it was an adventure. It was just an adventure. That's why I called the the book what it is. It says it's, you know, it was enough. A God led adventure is totally an adventure. Everything was. Yeah.
0: So what heartwarming story do you? I'm. I'm sure you have a hundred and one. But mm-hmm. what heartwarming story would you like to share with the audience today?
2: The kids were great. Um, I'll tell you the about the evening when I brought Sean home. Uh, he was our seventh child, and um, I had been waiting all day for a phone call. We had we had a foster license as well as adopting, so uh, we would get foster calls, and. There was a foster home that was being broken up for abuse and they were trying to figure out where the kids were going to go. They were considering our family for two of them because the two oldest boys were actually pretty um, bonded and they were only um, two and one. I think they are no, they were more like two and a half, one and a half. But then the other two children in that home were 10 months and newborn and the, the home was being broken up because ligature marks were found in the 10-month-old, which means he had been tethered to a crib or something.
0: Oh, my word.
2: I know, it was awful. And then, um, so they were thinking that the oldest two were going to come to us, but they were trying to decide what to do with that. And ultimately, we got the oldest child, and they decided he would never go back to being a child if they let the next one down come because he had been taken care of him and that he would never revert to childhood himself if he thought he was still immune to oh take care goodness, of them. Oh, my goodness.
0: Isn't that interesting? Isn't it? Huh.
2: Yeah. And, and and that happens for a lot of kids, unfortunately. Siblings, uh, the oldest siblings have a very hard time, even when they're now out of, out of the bad situation, they have a hard time giving up the reins of parenthood because they had to take them in such a traumatic way. The trauma ended up ingraining it in them so much emotionally that they have a very hard time reverting back to childhood and just being a kid. Um, So anyway, so this little guy, I went to to go get him down at Children's Services downtown. And Dave stayed home to tell the kids what was up and uh, get dinner ready and all that stuff, get homework done. And um, so I'm coming back with with Sean and it is a beautiful snowy night and we pulled into the driveway. All the kids were out in their snow clothes playing in the snow. And I pulled in 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 the Jeep and, and they just surrounded the Jeep and and like they're all trying to see him and trying wow. to then just waving at him. And he was he was like, what is going on? <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> Um, cause he, had, he, he was the oldest kid in his foster home, so he didn't know who these big kids right, were. Right, right. And, uh, and then, so we, we got him out of the car, brought him in the house and, and we, we were having pizza for dinner because nothing says party like a pizza, right? For kids. This little guy was very undernourished, so we had to stop him from eating when he got to half a pizza Um, It was crazy. And his little glasses, he's the one that's legally blind. His little glasses were pulling his ears forward. He did not have ears that stuck out, but they stuck out because he hadn't had the right size glasses since he grew.
0: Oh, my word. Nobody had taken him for
2: new glasses since he grew Anyway, I was, I, you know, I, I go on high alert when we got a new kid. I'm like, I'm, I'm like making a mental list. Okay. That has to change. That has to change. That has to change. You know, and I, at the same time, I, I make a list of that has to say the same, that has to say the mm, same, you know, to keep yep. them, yeah, right. to keep them secure. So anyway, um, he, uh, he was eating pizza and the kids just, I mean, they just surrounded him like an amoeba. I mean, they just, <laughs> he was just he became a Campbell kid, right? Just there, you know, it was just really cool. And I found out later and I didn't notice cause I was on high alert. I was doing my mommy thing that, um, a woman was there from our church that was visiting a couple that we had allowed to live in our carriage house apartment. Um, this young couple were newlyweds and they were having trouble because they were living with family and it wasn't a good thing for their fledgling marriage. And so we offered them to live in our carriage house. So anyway, this lady was visiting them. They came down to see the new little guy. She came with them. Mm. And she said, I just couldn't believe. I mean, I knew that you and Dave would be able to just unconditionally love and accept a new child. But I just watched the kids. And she said, and tears just ran down my face. I just was just awestruck by that. And I was like, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty open to this. They're very much uh, attuned to, to what's going on. And, and um, honestly, when, when we first started the adoption process, our oldest was just a little guy. He was like six. And um, I said, you know, dad and I were talking about maybe that there are kids out there that don't have a mom and dad or that need a family and that maybe we should share our family with them. And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) and he goes, but I think we should do it right away. I was like, okay. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, I mean, as they get old enough, you try to, you know, help them process things, but we always, we always tried to have kids process difficult subjects, uh, by bringing them up themselves. Like we always felt that if a child's ready to hear the answer then they'll ask the question if they're not ready for the answer don't bring a subject up you know what i mean like just
0: excellent point trauma yes. yeah
2: trauma can be one of those crazy things you just have to be super careful about how and and every kid's going to be different right and it just you have to you have to be mindful of that so
0: so how yeah. many times has somebody said to you you should write a book
2: Hmm, <laughs> yeah, they were few. Okay, view. so
0: tell us about your book. And who should buy it and is it a memoir and is it a story or does it have well, tips or you just share? Yeah.
2: So, it is a memoir. Um, but at the same time, it kind of is an interesting book that as I wrote it, I don't think I set out to do this, but I've been told by a number of people that have read it that it does this, and I, so I'm just going to share that, is that it It turned out like, like a parenting book if you needed a parenting book. It turned out like an adoption book if you needed an adoption book. It turned out to be a faith journey book if you needed a faith journey book. It turned out to be a book about uh, resilience if you needed a resilience storybook. I mean, it just kind of has a lot of facets to it. So it's it's sort of how the reader is coming to the book is how they read the book. Does that make any sense?
0: Yes. It's, like a, and it's also a story, like you said, too, right?
2: Right. Very much so. But at the same time, it, there, there are parts in it that I break out and I go, okay, this is how we did this, or this is how we did that. Because frankly, there were times when the kids were growing up that people would go, how do you do this, you know, how do you uh-huh, do discipline? Uh-huh. How do you do chores? How do you do allowances? How do you do? And I go, you know what, I honestly can't tell you. If you want to come over the house and just watch, you're welcome to it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you because I, I couldn't verbalize it at the time. I didn't have time to process it. So there's a lot of things about, you know, big family stories, there's adoption family stories, there's kid trauma stories, there's a whole chapter called troubled transplants, because, mm. you know, there's struggle. There's difficulty when kids come through trauma. And, and that, that chapter was super helpful to some people that were adoptive families that thought they were having a problem that was isolated. Uh And, um, and, and then too, I had a mom that had a biological special needs child say to me that it brought her to tears when she realized I chose that or that I willingly went that direction and it gave her strength to keep going the way she had to go for her special needs child, who was nonverbal autism, you know, the whole thing. And she, it just gave her strength to know there would be people out there in the world that would choose to go that direction. And so, yeah. And then, you know, so you just don't know how the, the, the story reads to given readers like it just it changes how it strikes them and so yeah it's 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 interesting from that respect
0: do you have another book in the works
2: I don't have another book in the works but I have an idea for another book in the works okay (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's a good thing
0: so Um, why don't you summarize the message that you would like to give the audience today any anything that you would like to share at all
2: God takes care of kids and he just has a different way of getting them to their forever family. They, don't, they aren't necessarily born there, but, but he, he has a way of taking care of them. I'd say there's a scripture that says, um, well done, good and faithful servant. I think one of the greatest things I learned was it doesn't say, well done, good and successful servant. Right. Like you don't have to be super successful at something to have been faithful
0: or to make an impact. True. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Trisha, for what you shared today. It was exciting, definitely heartwarming. And I hope that you answered questions to to anyone who is considering even adopting one child and also that they that you would have been an encouragement to those who have already adopted children and possibly are struggling and wondering why did I do this you certainly Mm -hmm. answered that question as well so we look forward to reading your book to sharing your story and thank you so much for being on never ever ever give up hope
2: Thanks, Carol. Thanks for
1: having me. Thank you for listening to Never, Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one.